Welcome to Beardies Assemble, where three beautiful, handsome, attractive men with beards talk about all the geeky and nerdy stuff we love and discuss how we can apply it to business. Today, we are covering nostalgia porn. Now, has anyone got any thoughts on a uh, nostalgia TV show or movie or anything that's, that's come back in recent years um, and, and, and uh, sort of tickled those nostalgia senses? There's only one thing that comes to mind that was a massive hit of 2018, and that is Daniel LaRusso and Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 this show, I, I, I binge watched it uh, in a matter of two days and it was absolutely phenomenal. I think it captured um, the essence of the original Karate Kid. Um, it took it, I think it spun it on its head as well, where it made it not just nostalgia for nostalgic reasons, but it actually had a genuine story as well, um, which kind of drove the plot on. So people who had the reference of the original Karate Kid would love it, as well as new people can come and enjoy it as well. But it, I thought they got the balance, especially in season one, they got the balance really cool and right, which made me just fanboy out the hell out of it. And, um, and I love the twist. The other thing they had was the twist, taking it not from Daniel LaRusso's perspective, but Johnny Lawrence's perspective and from Cobra Kai's perspective, which I thought was bloody brilliant and not to mention the whole marketing thing they did before that but um yeah it was balls. <laughs> official review <laughs> so um i've got to admit as much as i i realize that the pitchforks and torches might show up at my front door for this i was never a huge karate kid fan growing up which is kind of odd maybe because as a kid i genuinely was really into films about martial arts and really wanted to get into something like that as a kid but the the film was like i didn't dislike it it was just kind of okay to me as a kid so i i actually haven't seen it in like 20 years um but in preparation of this episode i decided look i'll i'll give cobra kai a shot i've seen heard samir talk about it a lot as well as you rory and um i thought will this show work for me as a non-fan essentially or will I just see it resting on the laurels of nostalgia? But I've got to agree with Samir that I think they did a brilliant job of actually twisting it and making something that was worth doing. They, they have a story worth telling. And probably my favorite thing about the whole thing, like I said, I only watched a couple of episodes, but really how they managed to bring that 80s flair in and have the main character act as if he's this 80s macho guy but everyone around him is basically being 2019 and going like yeah. go home 1980s you're drunk <laughs> and you know like um there's this scene in i think the first or second episode where the kid is saying like you're using a lot of gender stereotypes my gen my guidance counselor says you shouldn't use those kinds of words and it's just this brilliant juxtaposition of where it's coming out versus where it's referencing and I came into it fully expecting not to like it, to be honest, because I've seen other stuff like the Baywatch movie, where I wasn't a huge Baywatch fan, and I saw the film, and it was it had some funny moments, it was very self-aware, but I just felt like it was fully coming in to try to do what Jump Street did, or try to do what these other nostalgia-riddled 
films and shows were doing, but I feel like genuinely Cobra Kai did one of the best jobs at it that I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting one. It's, it plays in a really funny space because it appeals to, to kids that have never seen it before and uh, it appeals to, to adults. Um, and it's, it's, it's found that, that sort of that equilibrium uh, and, and that sort of play really, really well. And there's moments when you're watching the show and you go, oh, this is, what am I watching? Why am I watching this? <laughs> and then there are other moments where you're like, oh, that was so much fun. That was so good. And it really seems to hit the notes fairly regularly and fairly frequently. So mm -hmm. at, at times the show feels like it's for kids, for like teens. And then other times, you know, they throw in a bit of uh, adult stuff and, and, and a bit of, you know, yeah. uh, curse words and stuff like that, just to, just to beef it up a little bit. And it, it, it plays in a really funny place. And, and I, I genuinely think this is, this is YouTube having its, uh, what I would call the House of Cards moment. When Netflix had House of Cards, it changed the game for, for Netflix. They became accepted as, as a real contender. And I think this is, this is YouTube's real go. Um, and it's really interesting how YouTube decided to make it part of uh, YouTube Red, YouTube uh, Premium, it's now called. Um, you know, when, when obviously you had Netflix and, and uh, other streaming services really, really hungry for it. But I think YouTube is, is the most sensible place for it because they can, they can lean on that YouTube content. They've got all that, um, the, like the YouTube reaction videos, of people watching yeah. it and stuff. And they, can, they can spread out that, that, wider, um, that wider conversation that I think other platforms just don't have that ability to do. And it feels, when you're watching it, it feels like a real community. You can interact with the comments and stuff. And it's got a much more community feel about it, which I think is it's really interesting. And I think I was unsure when they announced, you know, who the writers were. And it's, it's like Josh Harold and, and John Hurwitz yeah. and people um, who are, you know, they're known for comedies like Harold and Kumar and stuff, which I wasn't a big fan of and Hot Tub Time Machine. So I was like, mm, is it going to work? But it has just the right amount of comedy and it has just the right amount of drama and action thrown in there. And the fight scenes are really, really good. Um, you know, my kids didn't want to watch it. They're like, no, don't put it on. Don't put it on. I put the first episode on and they were hooked and they, they binged. I let them like binge like three or four episodes because they're only like 25 minutes long and not too long. Yeah. Um, but over, I think a week or two that they, 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 they've seen the whole, whole two seasons now and they, they, they love it. They adore it. They want to, they want to do karate lessons and all that kind of stuff, which is amazing because I've been advocating martial arts for years to them. And they're like, no, they're rubbish. Go away. Then they see like some kids doing a bit of karate, and they're like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." So and, and, sorry, and they've never seen the original. They've never karate. seen the original, and they did, they I refused. I put it on twice for them, and I was like, "Come on, guys, it's great." They just did weren't interested in in it at all. It didn't. They didn't want to see it. So so the interesting thing for me is the nostalgia wasn't necessary to enjoy the show. So it's that's a really clever thing to be able to bring out a show that appeals to the the old guys like like us that like the nostalgia thing, but also a brand new audience. And, and as I say, they found that, that perfect balance, that perfect equilibrium of getting it right. So that's off to them. Yeah, and I think with the, with the twist of showing it not from LaRusso's point of view, yes, yeah. speaking to the site guys that have sort of survived the, what, 25, 30 years that the film's been out. 34, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, because people have been talking about that illegal kick. Yes, yes, now. yeah. And yeah. the fact that they didn't just make the movie about Daniel LaRusso being successful or about him having his own dojo or something. The fact that it's yeah. just like one dude who now sells cars and one dude who lives in a, you know, crappy studio apartment. Yeah. And that is just like a grudge match that revolves around literally one kick that people are still arguing about in real life. It just, it captures something that's so much better than if they just did something else. It's like, 
it's something like what they'd have to do if, let's say, Back to the Future came back. Like, there are so many discussions around Back to the Future that they would have to sort of address if that came back. And I think what yeah. Cobra Kai did really well was they've addressed the one thing they needed to and then moved on. And the marketing that they've done with that has really played, played on it. You know, they're using the hashtag, you know, Team Cobra Kai or Team Miyagi-Do is brilliant. It's getting people excited. Um, which is really, really smart. And they've, they've taken it further. They've, they've created a brand partnership with Enterprise. I don't know if you've seen that. So Enterprise Cars in the States um, started running commercials with them, the, the real actors meeting in real life, but having this kind of real rivalry and like, oh, I need a bigger car. He, he needs a booster seat. And, it, and it's, it's a real nice play on it. And so it's, they're sharing brand assets um, and they've got a little bit of it in, in, in the series and then obviously in, in adverts for Cobra Kai. So really smart moves i mean the team behind it really really smart the executive producer josh harold um has done an amazing job with the decisions of brand partnerships and, and ways that they've decided to go with it so it's it's been a, a i would say a masterstroke a real masterstroke it's it's their it's their first sort of big go out of the gate and they could have they could have been really aggressive with it because you know it's, it's on it's on by google tons of cash to throw at it they could have really just spent a ton of money on advertising and running commercials all the time for the series but instead they focused on building communities building word of mouth interacting with fans getting fans to talk about the show look at us you know we're talking about it now we're fans of it and and that's how they've grown that audience that's how they've got them engaged so yeah hats off to them that you know they need to pat themselves on the back really job well done there and it kind of makes you then question this whole nostalgia thing as well how long can it last is it is it more of a one-off kind of hit thing which kind of works if you have this itch you get it gets fulfilled and then if you do too much of it it's like you get sick of it kind of yep. thing i mean i had that kind of experience with uh, stranger things like i all right the first season was great second season was i thought it was okay um and i'm not really i'm not really bothered about season three to be honest um so is it can you only use nostalgia in the sense for a very a springboard short, yeah a springboard if you want yeah um, or is it possible to kind of play it out before it, before it gets stale? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think it works great as a springboard, as a starting point, but I don't think, you know, it's going to run out of gas at some point. Um, and I think, I think they're going to do that with, with Cobra Kai. I think they've started with the nostalgia and it's really fun, but it's, you know, all the, the kids that are in the show have are yeah. their own characters. They've got their own storylines, their own things going on. And I think it makes sense for them to, to use it as a springboard, but you know, that nostalgia element is, 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 it's not always there and I don't think it's always necessary to get the show. Like I said, my kids watched it. They've got no nostalgia from it and they really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, every time I, t I told them, oh, that's an actor from the original movie or, oh, look, look at this. They didn't care. They weren't interested. They were like, I mean, mostly they just told me to go away and shut <laughs> up. Um, they just wanted to watch the show. Um, so I think that's, that, that's, that's proof in the pudding that you, you don't need to have that nostalgia element. It's just a fun tag on. It's like an Easter egg for, for, for us to, to sort of watch it with them. True, 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 and true. I guess as well, to tie it in with, I guess, the last episode in terms of the MCU, that familiarity does breed a certain fondness to begin with. But, you know, once people had bought into the characters that they knew there, you know, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, etc., people were more than willing to give the Guardians of the Galaxy a chance. They were more than willing to give Captain, Mar Captain Marvel a chance, or at least most people were, but the ones that weren't, we can uh, cover that off in a different episode. Um, yeah. But it's interesting how, because you mentioned Stranger Things, and 
while that doesn't rest on the laurels of an existing asset, it does play into the love for sort of the Spielbergian feel of films and sort of the Goonies and E.T. and this sort of adventure feeling. And it's something that if you look at Super 8, tried to do the same thing. And while Super 8 was popular when it came out, it didn't really leave, in my opinion, at least a mark on the industry, not in the same way that Stranger Things did. But I wonder if, Samir, the reason why you're not that excited for the third season is due to feeling that the second season was lackluster or something that I feel at least is they've just waited so long. And uh, I think in a way, waiting that long for something that in a lot of people's eyes rested on nostalgia, it sort of allowed it to fall out of the zeitgeist while so many others profited off of what they started. There's so many things to watch in that arena now that weren't there when the first season came out. And it's been, what, two or three years since season two? Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff's happened since then. But yeah, you're right. Maybe the gap is way too too big. And um, uh, it's no longer that that cool. I mean, it's not that novelty's kind of run out, I guess. Um, But yeah, but it's also interesting with like what Cobra Kai I thought was quite cool. What they did is the the timing of the episodes were quite good. They're very, very bingeable. You can watch the whole thing. Um, And and I think that again worked as well as as you said on the the YouTube platform. Um, And so you can easily kind of catch up if you even wanted to go see it again. And, um, uh, and you get the whole experience. So, yeah. yeah. I think as well, um, having only seen two episodes, I think what they did brilliantly was the fact that the first episode is entirely from Johnny's point of view, more or less. And the second one is mostly from Daniel's point of view. And because both of them are the only two free episodes of the first season. So whatever your thoughts are in each of the characters, like you said, it sort of shifts between no one's really truly good or bad. It allows you to see both perspectives and then decide whether you want to watch more. And despite the many attempts that YouTube has made to try to get me to do a free trial of premium, yesterday when I finished the second season, I was like, where's, where's that offer of the free trial? Where's that offer? I just like, bring it to me now. Now I want it. But they probably saw me watch something and thought, no free trial now. We're going to sell it to you. You've said no <laughs> enough times. Now you pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, in terms of, I guess we talked about, you know, the marketing of Cobra Kai through YouTube, but where do you feel that you've seen, I guess, other marketing rest on those nostalgia laurels and try? And where have you seen it succeed or fail, in your opinion? Well, well I, I think the interesting thing about Cobra Kai is... is, is uh, they did try to reboot Karate Kid with the movie and they used, you know, a main star like Jackie Chan, but it was awful. Uh, I don't know if you saw, saw the Karate yeah, Kid yeah. reboot, but it was really bad um, with uh, Will Smith's kid. I forget his name. Uh, Jaden. Jaden Smith, that's it. Um, I mean, for starters, it, 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 it was set in China and they were doing Kung Fu, uh, yeah. which is not karate. So, I mean... It, it, it failed so miserably just from the get-go. I don't know who sold them on the premise or who wrote it, but it just it didn't make any sense to, to keep the name Karate Kid. I mean, if anything, they should have gone to, to Japan uh, and they should have you know, had it traditional, someone learning traditional uh, karate, but they didn't. Uh, they completely fluffed it. And I think that shows how you can, it's not just a nostalgia premise that works, it's how you execute it. And they executed it horribly wrong. 
And I think when you compare something like Cobra Kai and, and the reboot of Karate Kid, you can clearly see why one worked and the other one didn't. Um, there was no balance there with the Karate Kid uh, reboot. It felt like a cheap uh, shot. It felt like a cheap rehash. Um, and they really just didn't do anything new. They just changed the location. Uh, I changed a little bit of the story, but it was mostly the same. And no, nothing, nothing really cool happened in it. Um, so I'd say that's a really clear example of, of a reboot not working. Um, yeah, and I think as well, it's interesting, even if we go to a huge property like Disney, mm. now they are coming out with all these remakes or live action remakes of animated films. And you can see, I've heard amazing things about Aladdin. I still haven't seen it. People are dying to see Lion King, but the Dumbo live action film completely flopped. So I wonder, is that due to Dumbo just not being as beloved a property? Is it that people just don't have that same connection? Because you don't hear people talk nearly as much about that as they talk about, you know, Robin Williams as a genie or Mufasa's death, spoiler alert, if anyone still hasn't seen, you know, memes for the film. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, th I think that's, that's totally right about the, the property, Dumbo. Yeah. Um, the premise just isn't as fun or as engaging as those others. Uh, and there isn't a chance. For me, I would have, I would have um, vetoed the, the concept of doing a live action of Dumbo. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Um, so I think, yeah, it's clear why that one didn't work. But I think, although I'm not a big fan of the idea of doing live action versions of Disney classics, um, it does bring in new audiences. It does freshen the property. Um, and of course, people are always going to have issues when you recast a character like uh, like the genie. Uh, just like we're going to have issues when they reboot the X Men eventually, um, and they they recast people. You know, everyone's beloved Hugh Jackman. You know, they're going to have to recast someone to play Wolverine, and that's that's going to be an issue and a point of contention for some people. If we sort of dive into the business side of things, for me, like um, someone who's profited a lot off of making things in a retro way or a nostalgic way is, and I hate to bring in literally the same example as last time, but Nintendo. Nintendo have basically been selling the same Zelda game repackaged for about 30 years. And I don't think I know anyone who did, hasn't liked Zelda for years who's just now getting into it. Like I, I didn't really grow up with a Nintendo gaming system around like, I played Mario at my cousin's house, but overall I was more on the PlayStation side of things when the sort of N64 generation was going on. So when I finally got into, you know, I got myself a used Wii a few years ago and I tried Twilight Princess and I was like, I don't really get the Zelda hype. And at the time I was in a band with a Zelda fanboy to the point that he has three Zelda tattoos or maybe more at this oh. point. Um, he even he won a competition which was the geekiest tattoo of Iceland because he had the mask kid from Majora's Mask or I think it was called the mask kid not super good with my Zelda lore I do know that Zelda is the girl though um, but for example that's a great um, sort of part of Nintendo's marketing they they haven't really tried to catch up in terms of the narrative style or the styling of their games like Zelda is still you go to those four temples and you beat a guy called Ganondorf Ganondorf the bad dude anyway yeah and like they they haven't even like Link doesn't have a voice you still have people sounding like Sims characters and you read the text 
and like Mario is still, you know, rescuing Peach from Bowser, and yeah. they and I genuinely think like they've got great mechanics to enable that, but at the same time, the one time that they try to break out of it with uh, Majora's Mask and Windbreaker, Windwalker, Wind Wind Waker, Wind Waker, I think. Um, the fans lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was wearing a really nice jacket throughout that game. <laughs> um, no, pe people just lost their shit. Like they they didn't like them breaking that format. Whereas Majora's Mask is the only one that sounds interesting to me because I'm not a fan of the format. If people buy Nintendo because you know what you're going to get. It's it's a family con entertainment console system platform. You, you know what you're going to get. A parent can feel relatively safe in going, okay, I'm going to buy this for my kids. I know the games are going to be fun and enjoyable and pretty friendly. And Nintendo, to, 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 um, to a testament to their success, they've done that really, really, really well. Um, you know what you're going to get and you know that it's going to be done well. You know it's not going to be a half-assed execution of, of, of Mario. You know it's always going to be polished and really, really well done. Um, and I think it works for them. It works really, really well. Is it going to work for them forever, for the next 10, 20, 30 years? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think audiences will eventually get tired of that format and character. Um, there's, still, there's still the fun retro moment going through. You know, lots of people still dig retro with the micro consoles coming out and stuff like that. There's still that uprising, but, but pretty much everyone I know that got one of those, you know, micro consoles with 30 games on, they played it once and then they put it away. Um, very few people are actively playing those retro games or very few casual gamers are going and picking up retro games so the nostalgia element works to a certain extent but as we said earlier about cobra kai yeah. i don't think you can solely rely on that as a mechanic to 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 keep people coming back certainly to draw people in and as a springboard but, but not to to consistently bring in uh, an audience i was gonna say i think in terms of whether it will work in the long term for nintendo i think what they've really nailed is their connection to some key brands. And I think their branding is so incredibly on point because one of the best examples of that is when Pokemon Go came out. Nintendo had nothing to do with Pokemon Go. They just have a connection to the Pokemon brand. But when Pokemon Go came out, uh, the Nintendo share prices just went through the roof because people thought, oh, this is popular. This is somehow related to Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we've kind of moved it, which is there's a difference between nostalgia and then there's a difference between brand and franchises. And, and I think we've kind of evolved it into it. So there's a nostalgia aspect, which like Cobra Kai have done to kind of springboard things. Um, when we talk at what I see, the way I see things like Zelda, Mario, they're established franchises. Mm. And so it, there's a slight distinction. However, yeah going what i feel and if i was to kind of see as a business owner or if i was trying to take some kind of lessons onto it what works is that either when it's whether it's nostalgia it's the emotional connection that you've either had with the brand or with this franchise or with this group of people or with the story and it's that emotional connection which is i think the pinnacle of it and it's that's what draws you to it so that if people can or if your consumers can, or your prospective customers can get that emotional connection with your business um, and have that, uh, there's, there's a genuineness. And then, then this all now evolves into the whole branding and how you brand and that genuine brandness rather than just your colors and stuff like that and that authenticity and whatever way you want to call it, but your mission and your values, et cetera. 
um, and build that emotional connection. I think that's a quite of a key lesson that we can probably take from nostalgia and successful franchises. And that will continue to resonate because then that's what people will like and they'll know you for. And, and that's probably the lesson I kind of would take from all of these things is the things that I'm most attached to are the ones that I have a connection to. And how do I get the connection or how do I get my customers to connect at that kind of deeper level with me? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah no, I, I think it makes perfect sense. And I think as well, um, even though you said we've moved on from it, I think there's a really big connection between there because it's, you know, like you were saying with Cobra Kai, I think Cobra Kai would be an interesting story even without Karate Kid. And I think that's been proven with Rory's kids, liking it even though they haven't even seen the original. Um, but then it's a question of, you know, whether you're talking about video games, you know, would, um, let's say, Twilight Princess, would that have been a successful game if it hadn't been Zelda, if it would have just been a random adventure game? Would it have gotten... I know it wouldn't have sold as much. I realize there's a power in franchising, but there's this question of really, where do you have people that care only about the franchise versus people that would buy into it regardless of franchise? And that's where I think the marketing element is really interesting, where it's, you know, have you, has your franchise showed up enough that people care about it regardless of its lineage? You know, with Stranger Things as an example, maybe because it isn't based on an older franchise, but just references it, will it survive beyond the nostalgia or has it lost some steam by being away for two years? Same with Cobra Kai. Will it run out of steam due to nostalgia being sort of run out? I don't think so. I think it can adapt. And especially like you said, Rory, they have such an immense amount of money that they have an opportunity that if things start slowing down, they can easily adapt. It's not a random person making YouTube videos, it's Google. And I think from a business perspective, it is so important to not only show up consistently, which is what we're talking about Stranger Things not doing, they sort of released two seasons quite quickly and then disappeared. But if you look yeah. at, like, um, you know, we talked about Apple in the last episode. They've they've done a brilliant job of not just showing up consistently, but, you know, they made the iPods. Yeah. They made a bigger iPod in terms of storage, and they made a smaller iPod in terms of chassis and, like, actual build. Then they, they continued to change that product until they had the iPhone and thought, actually, you can play your music on this. We don't need that. They allowed themselves to have a transitionary period where they then started focusing on, you know, um, smart technology in the home, all these different things. And I think from an entertainment point of view, that's really what all of these properties need to do. Like, um, I think, Samir, you mentioned with the younger cast of Cobra Kai, it'll be interesting to see if this goes on for, like a lot of American series do, up to, you know, eight, nine, ten seasons. Will we see Johnny and Daniel being phased out in a way for a new generation of main characters to carry the torch of Karate Kid to a new age? Yeah, I mean, if we just actually look at an example that's actually happened in front of us, is, and that's the Avengers. Yeah. And they had the original cast, and now they are going to be phasing them out. And um, we've got a whole new set of Avengers now lined up. And again, I feel if I was to try and look at how we can apply nostalgia or any of this into business, it's 
I think nostalgia, what it does, it, it, it resonates with an old emotion and you can trigger that. And it's, if you use it cleverly, if you can cleverly use it in your marketing or whatever, you can get people to feel in a certain way if it's done right. But that does not give you the, the right to kind of just ride off that. You need to have your own original content story or message or delivery uh, that is original drives it through. But I seriously think that it can be. And that's why I like Cobra Kai works well is that it's used it enough. This use the fan service enough, but it's also invested heavily on these new characters and storylines so it can move on further. Um, whereas things like Stranger Things are just very much more isolated. It's got a story on its own, but they've used it as a kind of touch. They go, hey, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. But then afterwards, if the original story isn't good enough, there's not, it can't do much. You won't, you won't get that connection. You won't, there's only so much you can hold from yeah. what I think. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a brilliant point as well. And I think from a business perspective, it just speaks to how you, you have to have substance. You know, you can jump on any trend you want, but if, if you have a mediocre product, but you just put some neon lights on it and say, it's 80s now, that's trending, it's, it's not going to resonate. It can, it can make a good product easier to sell but it can't make a bad product stick around for longer. And I think that speaks to as well, Rory, you talked about the, um, the old school gaming consoles or, you know, the sort of NES mini thing where it's, it's just not super exciting to people because emulators have been a thing for such a long time. I don't really need another box under my TV in order to play Super Mario Brothers 3 on something that looks like an NES. It's, it's the the capitalization of any trend, nostalgia or otherwise, needs to be backed up by quality. It's it's more about the marketing than the product in a way, if that makes sense. There was this cartoon, very successful children's cartoon called Dungeons and Dragons. And what just recently happened, it's very popular still in Brazil. And I saw an advert for a car, I think it was Renault or Citroen, I can't remember. And they basically made a live action version of an advert of this beloved cartoon. And oh. basically the premise is, these guys went through the fairground, they got stuck in, they went into the Dungeons and Dragons ride and they got stuck there. And the whole thing, it's, it was a brilliant series and they were just about these kids stuck in this Dungeons and Dragons realm and they were trying to, always trying to get home and they never got home. And that was the sad thing about it. The, the series finished with them never getting home. And what they done is they actually did a film in an advert and, um, and they basically get into the car and they ended up going back home. Uh, through the portal, but that was that was pretty geeky, man. No, been, I, I, did ha I did, I had, I had a bit of a geekasm there, or nerdgasm. But but that's um, a, that's a brilliant way but, to use that nostalgia, though, because the people that liked that when they were kids are probably now at the age that they'd be likely to buy a car. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sure um, you guys haven't seen Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sorry, man. Uh, nope. Maybe it rings a bell. Rings a bell, but but no, it's because I think that sort of thing. There was this great, um, there was this great sort of talk from uh, Henry Rollins, which I don't know if you're familiar with, the former singer of Black Flag, like a punk legend. Um, and he was asked whether he thought it was a massive sellout moment for a couple of punk bands to have music in like car commercials and stuff, and there they were like old punk songs being used in new commercials. 
And he was like, no, these guys are getting money for something they did years and years ago. And the only thing that has changed is now the you know, executives choosing the music for the car adverts are the punk kids that used to go to their shows. It's not a sellout moment. It's punk finally getting its moment in the mainstream without having to change, without having to adapt. And I think in, in that case, you know, when those Dungeons and Dragons show, shows came out, that was probably considered incredibly geeky by like, the cool kids. But now that, you know, they're all sort of grown up, that divide is, or at least should be, less of a divide, meaning that, you know, people see that, get nostalgic, and they think, oh, that's cool, that reminds me of my childhood. And that emotional moment really becomes almost like a subconscious thing rather than a, you know, no one's going to think they referenced a TV show from my childhood, I'm going to buy that car. It just, it causes that warm and fuzzy feeling. And I think, again, that ties into what we said. Businesses can bring those trends in, but they need to have something to follow through with. They can't just expect to sell on a trend alone. Yeah. Yeah, you can't rely on it. Yeah. No. To summarize, I think we can all agree and, and say um, you can, nostalgia can work and it can be a really useful marketing tool, but you have to have the substance there to back it up. You, you can't just hope that, that some nostalgia element will, will carry you forward and carry you through. And I think we've seen that it can work well and it can work you know, beautifully as a springboard to get you somewhere to, on a journey. Um, but you just have to make sure you have uh, the idea of what that journey is and, and what that substance is. So, so final closing thoughts from you, Samir. Um, I, I believe if we can use nostalgia to get, uh, create an emotional connection, which is what I feel is all about. And if brands can do that and companies can do that, create that connection with yourself, even if you're just a solopreneur, just yourself, then having that connection with you, or if you've got a larger company, how do we get that? connection because that's what end of the day people really care about and um and that's why we find nostalgia so much beloved because we've had some sort of when we were in our childhood some kind of connection with them and we want to feel that again and that's what it triggers in the mind it triggers those past experiences and and it's an easy uh it's an easy kind of hit feel because you just you've triggered that experience i love it and how do we go and build that into your business or your organization john anything to add yeah, so I think in, in general, and I'll leave this very short, I think if you're going to capitalize on nostalgia, figure out what made it beloved in the, first, in the first instance of it becoming beloved. Figure out what was the essence that people loved about it and try to recreate that feeling rather than just recreating an aesthetic or a mechanic of something. Figure out what made people love it to figure out how to make new people love it and the older ones love it again. Nice. Absolutely. And for those listening and watching, um, what are your thoughts on, on nostalgia, uh, retro elements, bringing those back either from, from a, a reboot perspective or, or just themes? We'd love to know what you, you guys think. So let us know in, in the comments. And uh, thanks for watching and we'll, we'll see you next week.